Welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by my friend Reese, a.k.a. Referees, and what is another amazing pod. We've won, what, seven straight, Reese? Eight straight? Yeah, I think it's uh, eight straight. We were three and four. Now we're 11 and four. Goodness, we are eight straight. Every single podcast is such a joy, Reese, but this one even more so. We are the AFC West champions six times in a row, which is actually an NFL record. Uh, no one in the AFC West has won the AFC West six times in a row. So this is a joyous, joyous pod for us, Reese, after beating the Steelers. Obviously, always very fun to beat the Steelers. But before all that, Reese, let's let, let's chat about what's going on. I know you have something to tell us. Go for it. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned beating the AFC West because if you may have missed our podcast talking about our victory over the Chargers. So here's the 411 I found out. I was just creeping on our podcast statistics recently and I noticed that we were considerably low on podcast listeners. And I'm like, what is the deal with this? I know that, you know, it's like vacation week and usually people like skip podcasts week of vacation, I understand. But this was like something is obviously wrong. So I crept on it and I'm like, I'm going to listen to this week's podcast and I go to Spotify, which is where I listen to podcasts and the new episode wasn't showing up. And I even texted Armando. I said, hey, man, is, this, is our new episode not showing up on Spotify for you? And you said you listen on Stitcher, right? Yep. Yep. So I some, sometimes listen on Spotify, but I didn't have Spotify on my phone because my phone's taking up too much space. Really long story, but I'm getting a new phone tomorrow. Ooh, Continue. What phone are you getting? Yeah, dude. Sweet, sweet. Uh, iPhone 13. Oh, baby. 13. Oh. Yeah, it's the, it's the new iPhone. It's on promotion if you have Verizon or Sprint. I don't know how long the promotion is, but you can get an upgrade for essentially, you know, if, if you're still paying off your phone for like the previous phone, it's essentially the same money. So you might as well upgrade. Anyway. Heck yeah. Well, anyway, so I crept in on that because our podcast was showing on all other podcast forms. So uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Audible, wherever your favorite podcasts are found. But it wasn't on Spotify. And I tried refreshing our RSS feed, you know, like re-inputting it. It didn't work. So finally, I contacted like Spotify Help Center. I said, hey, you know, for the first time ever, like, you know, our episodes always upload fine, you know, but this episode didn't upload. Could you help me out? And to Spotify's credit, within like 30 minutes, someone from tech support contacted me and they said, so here's the deal. You output your latest episode in .m4a format and we only take .mp3. And I'm like, wait, why is it an M? What is M4A format? M4A is another audio codec, which I mean, you're, you're splitting hairs in terms of quality, but I completely forgot about this. And this is partially because I have a, you know, a, a new laptop. So my settings aren't new computer, right? Yeah. So I used to have it default output to MP3. So I never thought about it. But in the, this new episode, the first one I edited on this laptop, it default put it out to .m4a, which is why all those other podcast channels still streamed it, but Spotify didn't. So if you really want to hear our episode about how we beat the Chargers, which was a really great game, Armando reviews a really good beer. It's really worth listening to. Uh, you should check it out on a different podcast format in Spotify because that episode will be the lost episode on Spotify. No way, wait, we like can't even convert it to an MP4. We, we can't, because in order to do that, you have to go to like the mothership, which for us is Podbean. And when you try and switch the what? the audio file on Podbean, it's like, hey, we're gonna reset your numbers for this. And it's like, ah, I don't you reset our numbers on this. So it's kind of like, you know, for a week and a half old podcast, I think we're just gonna yeah, eat it I see what you not mean. showing up on Spotify. 
So we didn't forget about you. What if all the 400 million followers that we have, 95% of them are on Spotify and they're like, oh, I guess they just don't exist anymore because they put out podcasts every single week for the past almost two years. That's right, Kansas City fans. We don't take a week off. Continue. We don't. We don't. So uh, our apologies. Uh, Spotify is technically our biggest listener base for our podcast, which explains why the numbers were like punched in the face. So if you missed it and you listen on Spotify, go check it out on uh, Stitcher, Amazon, uh, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you, Reese. Actually, and while you're saying that, why don't you also say a blurb for Patreon for us as well? Patreon, if you like this podcast and you want us to have enough money to hire somebody so I don't make stupid errors like that again, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM where you'll find outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Do you know what would be the dream, Reese? Ladies and gentlemen, I was just telling Reese that I'm on this like investor kick. Not that I'm going to do day trading or anything like that. I just want to be more knowledgeable about my like 401k and like stuff like that. Just to like, you know, whenever you talk to your 401k person, I just want to like know what it all means. Because like normally you talk to your person and they go, oh, is it a risky invest? Do you want to do a risky investment or a normal investment? Like what what do you mean? (laughs) Like what do you mean risky investment? Like am I investing in the Pittsburgh Steelers like going to the Super Bowl because they still have Ben Roethlisberger or like what exactly do you mean there? Yeah, dude. So uh, so no, I've been I've been trying to learn more about it. And uh, wait, why did I bring that up? Oh, because Reese, what if you and I went public? Like what if we made a public <laughs> found city sports media and our stonks just went from like one cent to five cents? Oh, dude, penny stonks to nickel stonks. I'm all about it. Dude, look at Pat McAfee. He found just... city sports media penny stonks. Yeah, man. Pat, Pat McAfee just uh, signed a $30 million a year deal for his podcast and it's just him and a bunch of his buddies. So wild. What was what was Joe Rogan? Wasn't Joe Rogan like the million dollar one and everybody was freaking out about that that or was his a hundred million that's possible see what's so weird though is that joe rogan makes so much money in so many different ways that you know i wonder if he would just sign like a smaller a smaller yeah. podcast deal and be like whatever i'm still making endorsements here i still got oh, no, UFC no, his, money. his was in 20 when was it 2020 he signed a uh, hundred million dollars for his podcast to be spotify exclusive so spotify bought Really? Um, yeah, they, they they bought the Joe Rogan experience. Um, so yeah, so you so you can't listen to it any um, anywhere except for Spotify. Wow, that's wow, interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, pretty crazy, huh? Yeah. So they essentially own his podcast now. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to go into the details of his podcast, but yeah, I mean, look at that model. He you know he literally like I was to, uh, not that I listen to Joe Rogan, but I, I I did hear at one point that Joe, like when he started out, it was literally just him in like in his closet with like with someone, right? Like he was like, Hey, we, we have to do it in the closet because the, because of the audio and just, it sounds better. And that, and that's essentially how he started. Like Joe Rogan had no experience other than MMA and he was on fear factor. Yep. Right. But like all the, all the things that he talks about now, he has zero experience and just bring people to talk about MMA comp. Oh, he's obviously a comedian. So he just like have people over and talk about it. 10 years later, he has this, you know, crazy $100 million podcast, which is crazy. A good inspiration, not for his content, but for the way he made it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So good on Joe Rogan. 
Good on Pat McAfee. Woo, anyway, <laughs> Reese, I haven't spoken to you uh, live since uh, before Christmas, right? So tell me about Christmas. What was your favorite gift? Um, 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 um. You know, I think my favorite gift, not to sound corny, was actually I bought my dad a budget sound bar because he was moving his upstairs TV downstairs because he was getting a new budget like Vizio or what? No, the, the, the brand is called on and I think it's like a Walmart house. Oh, yeah, brand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen on. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he bought a huge TV for the front room. I mean, I, I say huge like his, his old one's still 48 inches like the one the one in my living room is 32. I got to go the times. But uh, so he moved his 48 inch downstairs. And when he did that, you know, he obviously left his sound system upstairs for the new big TV. And we, we purchased over Thanksgiving. The TV I told him to get was on sale. So we got it. And we said, okay, we'll set it up over Christmas when the stand comes. Rah, rah, rah. And uh, I asked him at the time, I said, hey, do you want to get a sound bar for this thing downstairs so you can like still hear it? Now, bless my dad's heart, his hearing is going. And uh, he's like, no, I think I'll be able to hear the TV speakers. Okay, it's okay. It's fine. And uh, so we set this thing up on Christmas Eve downstairs. And we sit down at a couch, which is about probably 12 feet away. Turns the volume on the TV to 26. Low for me even. Cranks up to 50. He then cranks up to 55, 65, all the way up to 70. And he looks over at me and he goes, is my hearing really going that bad? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, bad TV speakers, bad TV speakers. I could hear it. Okay. So the fact that like the next day he opened up the sound bar under the, under the tree and he was like, Oh my gosh, how did you know? And I'm like, I knew this back at Thanksgiving when you said you were going to get a sound bar. I'm like, there was no way you were hearing this TV (laughs) without that sound bar. So that's, that was my favorite gift experience. What about you? Uh, that that is very corny, but very sweet. I hope uh, I hope he can he can listen to Found City Sports Media in high def now. He's gonna be, he's gonna be like our first call. He'll be like, "Hello, boys. I know this is post production, but I have a live <laughs> I have a live scalding take. Is that what you call them?" <laughs> Reese is dead. How did you know that 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 we're podcasting right now? Holy moly! How do you have my phone number? <laughs> I just know. Or or how did how did you break into our uh, our, our Google Meet link? <laughs> I work for the NSA. <laughs> he does he does Which not work for the what the sunflower state guy does yeah uh, yeah oh what if uh what if sunflower state guy and my dad are the same person maybe that's why his camera was off <laughs> that's true it was off the whole time uh anyway yeah no christmas was great um i uh i had to sing three services in a row essentially a 4 p.m a 6 p.m and a midnight mass with my wife Ugh. which uh yeah it was it was it was crazy i mean my, my wife and i obviously like you know went to school for singing and stuff and you know that's what we do but uh singing at midnight is tough i believe it <laughs> yes <laughs> it's like it's like you like start singing and you're like why do i feel like I'm supposed to be sleeping right now. <laughs> it was, it, it was, I mean, we, we definitely got through it. Everything was fine, but yeah, such a weird, it's like, it's like if like you had an early morning New York audition, did you ever like when, when you were auditioning, did you ever have to like do a morning audition or your morning flight? And then you audition that same day. Oh yeah. 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 So, I mean, just, just like a, like, like doing that, no, no matter how much you warm up or how much water you drink, it still feels totally different. If you're taking like a 4am flight out of Kansas city and doing like a 10, 10am or 11am audition. It's just like, it's, it's the weirdest feeling. And that's kind of what I felt for the midnight mass. Uh, anyway, did it went well. So that's what we did on Christmas Eve. And then, uh, we went up to my in-laws for Christmas day. Uh, favorite gift though. Uh, um, Oh, my wife got me a watch actually. Logan got me a watch. It was really nice. Oh, wow. Um, 
So actually, I, I was looking. So she she had me do like her my Amazon wish list or whatever. And our our good friend, uh, Crazy Kyle, is a watch enthusiast. I was gonna say. So so I'm over here scrolling watches, and I go, ah, this looks cool. This looks cool. And I. I didn't want to have an expensive watch, right? I'm looking really cheap. Like I'm looking $20, $40 max, mm-hmm. right? Cause like I like watches, but I don't want to spend what some people spend on watches. And like, I always thought that Timex was like a Walmart brand, right? Like if you go to Walmart, I remember it being Timex or even, I don't know. I, I don't need, yeah, Casio. But those are actually the best value watches that you can find, according to Crazy Kyle. Um, yeah. And now these Timex watches and Casio watches, if you want a really good one, are now in in the hundreds of dollars. So now I'm thinking back like 10 years ago and I was at Walmart and I saw these stupid $10 ones that actually look kind of cool. But I'm like, oh, this is a Walmart brand. No, like actually, according to Crazy Kyle, like these these Timex watches are actually really well built. Um, but we found a, 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 sorry, Logan found a really good, value watch i forgot the uh, the name of it but she actually put her her initials on the on the back of the watch well she put all all my love logan and she she en- engraved it it's really cute and it's actually a really nice watch so that's sweet. uh yeah i'll, I'll be rocking watches now because i'm not really a watch guy but i was like hey now that i teach at a university i'm conducting a choir i might as well just wear a freaking watch around you know yeah dude watch is real flex i was gonna say i'm like is it- you should get a friend of the podcast, Kyle, on here to like do a live appraisal of it, and he can like, you know, go full antique roadshow <laughs> on you. Yeah, we should do a like live pod of him with these like crazy magnifying glasses. Uh, it has like a three CPR level, yeah, which is, <laughs> which is actually kind of like a like a gold Charizard from the nineteen nineties. <laughs> if I can make a comparison, you know, my favorite watch I own, uh, and it's probably my most valuable watch is my grandpa's watch he gave me that he got from getting a two-year subscription to Sports Illustrated back in the 90s. So it says Sports Illustrated on the face. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, Wait, dude. so like if you subscribe for the whole year, they bought, they gave you a watch? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, that, that's uh, that's what like what they used the to do. Heck? Yeah, ESPN, the magazine, did it with the, the fleece. That was my other flex. I don't know if I still have it. For the longest time, I found this at a Goodwill. I had an ESPN, the magazine, fleece, and a Sports Illustrated watch. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm big time in the what? 90s what do you want yeah i mean uh, most of you that listen to this podcast know reese so you know reese is like hipster hipster without being hipster oh yeah so that is that is a really freaking hipster reese yeah. to have a sports illustrated watch in the espn the the magazine and, fleece and i've got like a cheap like rubber black strap for it too it's not even i gotta get a nice strap on that watch and start like convincing people it's a very nice watch Reese, uh, before I know we're way off topic, but now I'm curious because I know you're the super hipster and you, you find good finds at like Goodwill or like a really nice secondhand store. What, if, if, if you are a beginner in finding some good finds, what do you look for Reese in watches or just in general? No, just like in general, say like I, uh, I walk into a store, like what, what is going to be a good find at these stores? Um, a good, or is it more like an eye test? You just, you just know it in your veins. Uh, a bit of both, a bit of both. Look for retro stuff that is very, that is in very good condition. Like for example, I have a a pair of bookshelf Bose speakers that I think if I bought them online, they're listed at like 180 bucks. 
on like eBay and stuff, but I got them for 35 and you know, they're not like the top of the line of the time and like a bunch of the real hit when you get into like the specialized hipsters, like, Oh yeah, those things you can pick those up for like 10 bucks at any goodwill. It's like, shut up nerds. No, you can't. It's like, I found this for like 35 and I got lucky, you know? So but those are in great shape. Uh, you know, look for clothing that's in great shape that fits or for example, my other great find is I actually have a uh, Derek Johnson jersey, which is probably a size too big for me, but it was like mint condition. Still Derek Johnson. Yeah, yeah, one of like the old Reebok ones too. So I'm like, yo, this is 10 bucks. I can wear this over a sweatshirt and I look like I'm a hockey bro from the East Coast. That's fine. I'm getting this Derek Johnson jersey. So that's the thing. Quality and compromise are your two big, two big things. <laughs> <laughs> there there you have it folks follow us for more um goodwill secondhand store finds with reese goodwill hunting that's our series reese. yeah <laughs> that can be our like summer pod we can we can like uh, have patreon donate 20 bucks to you and then you have to go find like a, a full outfit and 20 bucks and then show us what you bought yep Dude, I'm, I'm down to do that, and I'm still down to have the uh, lucky Patreon subscriber FCSM Booze Cruise. Remember that idea? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I think we I talked. Remember that. The, the only one that, that, that I do remember is the Patreon sending us money for you to fly from from uh, for Kansas City to Chicago, to Chicago to Des Moines, <laughs> to then drive to Indianola, to then find out about butterfly yeast. But anyway, tell me about this one. This is the last thing that we'll talk sports, I promise. Okay, we, then we'll talk sports. We, we, we talked about getting Kyle's John boat and like having a winning Patreon subscriber come out and join us on the boat for like a live three hour podcast and just go fishing and drink beer and like have the recorder running the whole time. FCSM booze cruise. I thought that was just supposed to be us three, but yeah, we can throw someone in there and then just, you know, have some uh, Coors Light or some Shiner Bach, Crazy Kyle's favorite, and yeah, just to see what happens. Yep. We'll make it a thing. We'll make it a thing. Did I did I talk about my deep sea fishing stuff with Kyle? Uh, you did. On the pod? Yes. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. Not that we can talk about it right now, but that's also a really good story. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we already talked about it. But Okay, let's talk about what we haven't talked about. <laughs> the Chiefs dominating the Steelers. We, we love that. Actually, one of the first games that I saw with Reese was 2016, was it? The Steelers? It was at your apartment out uh, by KU Met. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, that was one of the first games that i watched with you in some of our first like friendship days um so anyway the the steelers beating us is always a uh, anti-nostalgic thing that that you and i share together so it's always great to see a steelers beat down the chiefs beat the steelers 36 to 10 uh, a lot of stuff we can break down on the on the pod today, Reese. But why don't we why don't we break down in sections like we normally do? But again, I kind of I kind of want this podcast to be uh, seeing outside of this game and what like what winning this game, not necessarily what happened in the game, but after this game, what does this mean for the Chiefs and like who are they? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, but before we talk about it, let's talk about it quickly. Tell me what stood out for you on the offensive side. What what is one thing that stood out for you? Uh, the fact that for about the first time maybe second time all year since uh you know week seven the offense didn't fall apart or like stall after the second drive 
the offense was clicking and moving the ball and doing what they wanted to do all game. And I think that's the biggest standout to me. They did it running the ball. They did it passing the ball. Patrick Mahomes looked great standing in the pocket. He had that one touchdown pass to Byron Pringle where he was in the pocket for over seven and a half seconds. That was just incredible. Bingo. But then later on, you see plays like when uh, he got flushed out of the pocket, I think it was in the second quarter, and it looked like he wanted to throw deep. He held for a second, pointed, had Derek Gore cut forward, and he hit him with a nice little soft touch pass for about 50 yards. And I mean, the Chiefs offense looked back. This is the first time all year I'm like, yes, the Chiefs offense played a good opponent and they looked back. Yeah, I think I think some people that may, you know, listen to this podcast and say, oh, guys, you didn't really see what happened there. I mean, are you kidding me? The Steelers, seven and seven Steelers. Now, let me let, let me read for you who played on defense yesterday. Minka Fitzpatrick. Cameron Hayward, Joe Hayden, TJ Watt, who is technically in the running for defensive player of the year. I mean, this is a really good defense that is unfortunately faltered by Ben, Ben Roethlisberger. Like this is still an incredible defense. And one thing that you, that you brought up, hit the nail for me is that Patrick Mahomes is staying in the pocket right? We are seeing what we've talked about in previous weeks of Patrick Mahomes playing this boring offense, but it's working where we saw a lot of plays in the center of the field to guys we haven't seen before because Travis Kelsey didn't play and Tyree kill actually didn't get a a lot of coverage today. So we saw um, a good amount of Noah gray. We saw a lot of Blake bell. Blake bell's huge, by the way, he's super slow. Oh yeah, dude. He's yeah. (laughs) That was was just a, I, I actually didn't realize how big Blake bell is in comparison to Travis Kelsey. I was like, who is that offensive lineman that just that just made that catch? And I was like, holy crap, that's Blake Bell. Oh yeah, dude. He's a he's a <laughs> thick, thick boy. He's yeah. <laughs> anyway, all 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 to say that I think going forward, this model of let's stay in the pocket, Patrick Mahomes, as much as we can until we have to roll out. I think that model is going to be a, a Super Bowl model where if Patrick Mahomes can get it done in the pocket, release the ball quickly. That's something that our best friend Tony Romo talked about a lot too. Actually, Tony had some good stuff to say on that that weekend. I know, I know, I know we don't really like Tony, but Tony actually had some good stuff uh, where Tony was talking about Patrick Mahomes evolving in the sense that he's looking at his checkdowns and he's throwing the ball at it at a, a quick speed, like within two seconds of snapping the ball, which keeps him in the pocket, right? Like everyone's getting ready for him to roll out. Of course, I've talked endlessly about the Raiders, you know, preparing for that because they've played us so many times. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes really finding himself in the pocket with players that we have not seen all year. So this is a testament to Patrick Mahomes and that if this happens, in the playoffs against a Titans team or a page. Well, Patriots are actually really good, but I would compare the Steelers defense to a Titans team that we can easily see in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, low, oh, I mean, maybe even the, the uh, bills because the bills have a weak secondary. Now I know that some of their guys are injured for the year. I mean, this defense is comparable to what we can see in the playoffs. And because we were able to beat them up in the pocket with players we haven't seen before, like I said, no gray, Blake bell, uh, Pringle, we can talk about right now, like this, 
this was a great, this was a statement win, I think, for Patrick Mahomes in particular, showing that he's the man, he can make it happen. Well, before we go on to talk about Byron Pringle, who, you know, definitely deserves his just desserts in these regards, I think it's worth noting, like you said, this, you know, the Steelers team is not the Steelers of old. The Steelers team is probably not a Super Bowl team, if we're going to be honest at all. But this is no, no pushover Steelers team. The Steelers have three wins over teams the Chiefs have lost to. The Steelers have oh. wins over the Bills, over the Ravens, and over the Titans. So this is obviously a Steelers team that can play with the best teams in the AFC. It's also worth noting, they only have a one-score loss to the Chargers, who are probably going to be a playoff team when it's all said and done. They got some wins over the Browns in there. Yeah, this is... This is still a very solid litmus test for the Chiefs. I thought this was a very, you know, nerve-wracking game with Kelsey and all those COVID scares being out. But the fact they went in and just had a business as usual was exactly what I needed to see to get back on board with the team. You know, Risa, if this was um, around the horn, I, I would give you five buttons. Blink, 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 <laughs> because of all the stats you just gave me. That was great. We were... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we were just talking about around the horn before the podcast, so I just needed to make that joke. I appreciate uh, it. I love around the horn. Before we talk, yeah, around the horn, it's great. It's it's like it's just just this great, you know, Coca Cola, Subway, McDonald's show that's that's gonna be here to last just because of the model of it. Yep. Not necessarily the like Stephen A. Smiths or like the, the Skip Bayless. It's just like a solid show that's gonna present good facts. Um, <laughs> anyway, bef- well, go ahead. Reese. It's the appetizer for pardon the interruption. You start watching it. You start there watching you it fourth around the horn just to stick around at 430 for PTI. Oh, man. I, this is bringing me back to like when I was in high school and I had summer break and I was just, you know, I had nothing. You know, I was just mindless on my summer breaks. It was, yeah, it was, it was uh, around the horn PTI back to back. And then I think Sports Center. I think like that's when Sports Center started. I think after PTI. So yeah, it was just like one one. Oh, and it was during the. Oh man, I'm just going through nostalgia for right here. Lakers Celtics finals in 08, I think 09, yep. 07. Oh, good times, good times. Anyway, shout out ESPN. You uh, do have some good good staples there. Anyway, uh, speaking about not a good staple, well, he's good now, but not a staple. Byron Pringle. Actually, before we talk about Byron Pringle, I do want a special shout-out to the O-line. Again, I brought up T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt was playing, and Andrew Wiley held his own against T.J. Watt. I mean, how many T.J. Watt pressures did we see? I mean, sometimes. he Only only two sacks on Patrick Mahomes, and that was towards garbage time, I think. Yep. So, I mean, he held his own. And I mean, if when when Lucas Nian comes back, Reese, is Lucas Nian going right back into that role, or are we okay with Andrew Wiley being there? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, because I was going to ask you the same question. Uh, nice. I mean, you know, <laughs> Wiley hasn't been lighting it up. It's not like we got Mitchell Schwartz 2.0 there at the right tackle, right, but right. I mean, he shut down Max Crosby a couple times. He largely shut down TJ Watt. He's not getting blown up every play. Uh, if if it ain't broke, do, do we want to fix it this late in the season? Do we keep rolling out Wiley? I I think we might. I'd rather have depth at right tackle. 
Yeah, yeah, no, a- a- absolutely. I think exactly what you said. TJ Watt, Max Crosby, these are AFC Pro Bowl starters. I mean, as much as we don't really care about the Raiders, like that's a very good front four. Joey Bosa a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Joey, exactly. Like like Andrew Wiley is holding his own. I think Andrew Wiley, we, we, we need to stop looking at the previous 2020 Andrew Wiley and seeing him today. Now, maybe because he has so much help, with Trey Smith, with Creed Humphrey, with Tooney, that it makes his job easier. Maybe he doesn't have to double up. I haven't looked at the film to see what 2020 looked like, but maybe we go back and look at Andrew Wiley and say, maybe Andrew Wiley had to do more in a 2020 offensive line than he does 2021 because Trey Smith obviously can hold his own. Uh, Joe Tooney almost, you know, will saves Patrick Mahomes, but when he, when he fumbles the ball and picks it up, I mean, we didn't see stuff like that in 2020. Obviously that's just a small sample size. There's so much more that that offensive line does, but shout out to them for, for playing. You're right. The Raiders, the Chargers, um, and now the Steelers, you know, we're very good off- uh, defensive lines that we've held our own. So shout out to them before we talked about Pringle Reese. We talked about Pringle either on the show or off the show. I can't remember, um, but I'm going to ask you the question now because of his standout game. Give me one second so I can look at his um, highlights here. I have him right here. Six receiving uh, catches. 75 yards for an average of 12.5 yards two touchdowns with that long one of 22 what we've seen for the past i don't know three weeks we've seen byron pringle have some you know some shots here and there are you okay putting him as wide receiver three and just setting it over mccall hardman i i've always thought he'd make a great wide receiver three in, in my perfect world our receiving core would look like this would have tyree kills wide receiver one we draft a quality wide receiver two next year. Byron Pringle, wide receiver number three. Nicole Hardman as a gadget player, kind of Debo Samuel type wide receiver number four. Uh, I think this game felt very similar to me as to Mahomes' first start against Denver back in 2018 when it was like the Albert Wilson game. Remember that? He was just like passing to Albert Wilson. Like they had a crazy chemistry. He got Albert Wilson paid yeah, after right, right. that game. So this, to me, I don't think it was quite that level of like, oh, Pringle's going to get paid by some team now. But I think it really showed how viable of a receiver Pringle can be if we scheme him upright and Patrick really looks for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to make a a hot take here, Reese, and I'm... I've never thrown... Well, maybe I have thrown it, maybe not in the podcast, but I'm going to say wide receiver one, Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey is our is essentially our, our wide receiver too. Yeah. And maybe I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I don't think we necessarily need that um, stereotypical wide receiver too because, we, because even though we line up Travis Kelsey as a tight end, his receiving yards, his targets, his receptions are equivalent to a top five wide receiver. I'm just looking really quickly. Um, Target-wise, in the NFL, he's ranked 13th. Now, receiving uh, receptions, he's ranked 13th. Yards, he's ranked... Let's see, where is he? He's ranked 11th. So, I mean, we're, we're talking everyone, right? Maybe him and Mark, and Mark Andrews has having a crazy year. So, of course, Mark Andrews. But Mark Andrews and Kelsey are the exception. So, I'm going to actually amend our situation here and put Kelsey as our number two receiver, which then puts Pringle, hot take, 
Pringle is our number three of the future. I think he is incredible. He's not Robert Woods. He's not Tyler Boyd on the Bengals, but we are a Super Bowl contending team, which makes him a Super Bowl contending wide receiver three or a third target on this offense. So I'm hot taking that right now, and I'm taking the hot take even further. Let's flip McCole Hardman for something. We, 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 we saw him do great this weekend. We saw a couple plays that showed promise. Let's flip him. Okay. So let's flip him for how about a second and, and a third? You think oh you think we can gosh. get a second and a third for Hardman? No, Hardman, I think, was a second round pick when we drafted. I, if we got a fourth, <laughs> right, right, how, about a, how about a third and a fourth? I, I, I think we get like fourth. a third and a six, like a conditional uh. six. But okay, so, so here's two things. Here's two things. I want to argue two facts that you just put out because there's a very good argument. I would say, first one, I still think we need a wide receiver number two as opposed to a second option because we saw how much better this offense clicked. I think we could say the zenith of this offense, even post Kareem Hunt, was back when we had Sammy Watkins and we had two true wide receiver options that like we know we could go to. So then when we get back to being like third and six, like we talked about last episode, and we're like, we need somebody to make a third and six play, it wasn't bracket reek, bracket Kelsey, and have somebody else make a play. Play It was bracket reek, bracket uh, Watkins, bracket Kelsey, and then suddenly Byron Pringle's wide open, and that's when you can like have Byron Pringle make a play. Uh, the second thing I want to argue... I don't necessarily want to flip McCall Hardman just yet. I, at this point, especially considering the injury issues, if we could flip Clyde Edwards-Alaire for a third-round pick and then we move McCall Hardman back into that running back Debo Samuel kind of hybrid sort of position, I'm just... the, The thing we're missing right now in our running game is we don't have anyone who's a home run threat out of the backfield. Love him to death. You know, like Derek Gore... Daryl Williams, both great power runners. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, yeah, okay, he's good for like three and a half, four yards of carry. If we had a home run threat back there with McCall Hardman taking handoffs, you know, pitch plays, jet sweeps, I think that would bring us a huge dimension to this offense we haven't had, and I think it would be a nightmare for other teams. You you just opened Pandora's box right there in my mind. You just you told me about the flip, and I'm like, ah! it could work he can be depot samuel um oh man okay how how am i gonna address this okay one yes you you actually i believe everything that you're saying i'm just gonna tweak it a little bit so i think we can if we flip clyde edwards alaire first of all i don't think uh I, i love brett veach but brett veach does not have the guts to do something like that to the organization I think as fans we think that but the organization would never do that I think I think Brett Veach, I think Andy Reid will die on the Clyde Edwards Hilaire Hill and saying, give him a chance. But you're right. Like even before he got injured last week, which it looks like he's going to be okay. He's he he has a day to day bruise. Um, Even before all that, we're still seeing the same stuff from Clyde. Like, yes, we see moments, but Clyde still can't find the holes. The nope. offensive line has him. Darrell Williams, when he's in the game, sees them and exposes that. Um, he has the blast after he finds the holes. I'm talking about CH, but it's it's it, it's when he grabs the ball. I, I'm I'm starting to get many heart attacks when he has it because he hesitates too much. He's trying to find a hole or he's indecisive about the holes that he finds. Where Darrell Williams has just no, he, he's just mindless in it 
in, in the absolute best way. You know, when, when players are playing mindless, they just go for a hole. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Most of the times it works for Daryl Williams. So I'm going to disagree with you there and saying, um, I think Daryl Williams is fine mm-hmm. to have as our cowbell as a Super Bowl contending team. He, you're right. He's not Alvin Kamara. He's not Derrick Henry. But for what our system is, our system is not the San Francisco 49ers, right? It's not predicated on this three headed monster. It's predicated on Patrick Mahomes being the freaking goat, um, which we don't necessarily need that three headed monster. But if we flip Clyde Edwards, Hilaire for a third rounder, we should be able to find that incredible running back. We, we shouldn't be thinking about running back in the first round. And if we're thinking about a running back in the second round, he better be the second coming of Derrick Henry. Yeah. Right. That that is the mindset that we should have. And that's normally the mindset that Brett Veach had. They just pulled the trigger because we won the Super Bowl and they got Clyde Edwards Alaire. But I can make a compromise with you. Right. Keep Darrell Williams. Keep Derek Gore as that like one and two or that two and three. And then we flip Clyde Edwards Alaire for someone like a DeAndre Swift for someone like a, you know, someone that's not a freaking, you know, uh, Alvin Kamari doesn't have to be. It can be a Jeff Wilson. It could be a Elijah Mitchell. You know, people that are like really, really freaking good on these other offenses that weren't first round picks so maybe if we do that flip i think that works out i like Derek gore i think Derek gore has a place in this offense not just for what we saw yesterday but what we've seen consistently from this dude so yeah that's what i think yeah i think that's a really good point i like daryl williams as a power back his hands have developed this year and he's gotten pretty good at the screen game Derek Gore oh, so he looked great yesterday he really did uh Derek Gore has the best field vision of any of our backs and he's the most decisive runner like when he sees the lane yeah, he hits freaking reckless abandon man yeah he, he takes a little while to get going to zero to 60 uh but he's pretty good the thing is like no one is ever wondering what Clyde Edwards Alaire is doing on any given play no one's saying like yo where's Clyde what's he gonna do and, you know, I, people keep saying, like, oh, you saw him, you know, take that hit at the goal line, and he bounced off, and he, he kept going, and that, that took huge hustle. I'm like, yo, 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 pump the brakes on this. That is literally the first time I've ever seen him get hit in the backfield and break first contact. Like, I am dead serious. If you can find me a clip of him doing that, send it my way, and I'll send you a PBR apology. Uh, he's What makes it even more frustrating is that bringing McCall Harbin back into this, you know, I've said this before, we drafted McCall Harbin when we did instead of like DK Metcalf because we were looking for a Tyree kill replacement the night before or the night after those allegations came out. What we could have gotten instead of Clyde in that first round, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, obviously. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman Jr., J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, they were all on the board. And I'm not saying Dobbins and Swift are world changers, but I think Dobbins and Swift are better and are good enough that it's like, yo, let this guy play out his rookie contract and then probably let him go. We can draft again, but like they'll really contribute. I haven't felt like Clyde has really contributed in these last two years. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing that I've seen except for maybe his first game where, you know, they, you know, but, but that's kind of what happened with Kareem Hunt 
that Kareem Hunt was consistent about, but it was one of those games where Andy Reid was trying to get CEH going. No one knew who he was. No one planned for him to do well, so he did well. Once people started planning for him, then he started to get a little, you know, not that he has the yips, but just that, like, he's not he's not decisive when he has certain holes like Darrell Williams is, like Derek Gore is. He has the athleticism. I don't think anyone's challenging that. It's just his decision-making that just doesn't make sense sometimes. And, of course, when you're on an LSU offense with um, Stephon Diggs, Joe Burrow, and you're playing against, you know, Kansas, uh, of course, you know, you're going to look really, really freaking good, and you're going to be confident. I think there's a confidence issue there that I'm seeing and, and decisiveness for CEH that, unfortunately... Uh, we're not seeing any more of a CH. So we'll see. I think both of you and I are on that same train that we would love to see him go somewhere else that may be better for him. But uh, unfortunately, I don't know if Brett Feach would ever do that or even Andy Reid. So we'll have to keep tabs on that. Go ahead, Reese. The killer is that we've seen what Brett Veach can do in the second, third, and fourth round if we get a pick like that for Clyde. It's like, and for people being apologists, it's like, okay, would you rather see out the next three years of Clyde Edwards Alaire's contract or would you rather have another shot at a Nick Bolton a Creed Humphrey, a Legereus Sneed, all guys like that that were drafted in those middle rounds by Brett Veach and are now playing at extremely high levels. Yeah, totally. I don't want this to be a uh, to be this uh, like um, um, negative pod, but right after Clyde Edwards Lair, T. Higgins goes goes to the Bengals, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. goes to the Colts, DeAndre Swift goes to the Lions. Uh, and then we talked about Jonathan Taylor going 40, 41st, uh, Chase Claypool, not that we need Chase Claypool, but Chase Claypool, Trayvon Diggs, Cam Akers, JK Dobbins, Van Jefferson. I can go on and on. So yeah, I mean, look, hopefully if we do flip them or even this next year, we're, we're of course going to have a draft pod where we can talk about, you know, where we can go. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, if we don't need a cornerback anymore if we don't need if if melvin gordon's here for another year maybe we don't need that pass rusher anymore in the second round third round maybe we can get hopefully cross our fingers for a guy like cam Akers, a guy like um deandre swift so we'll see we'll see ladies and gentlemen but in the meantime we will keep it posted on what happens but uh before we talk about the defense reese we'll talk about it quickly and then we'll talk about the chiefs in a macro setting and what happens going forward let's have a beer let's have a beer everyone's favorite time of the podcast that's right it is once again this week in craft beer the segment of the podcast where we break down a story from this week in craft beer and we also review a delicious craft beer now this week's story is nothing really new like we all know the supply chain is you know every which way screwed up right now right i mean it's no no new news right there but it's like the fact of the fallouts and the implications of the supply chains are really starting to hit home in some places and like the forecasts from the supply chain are kind of starting to materialize now this week the story in particular is about aluminum can shortages and how they are affecting oh. craft beer. Uh, the big story on this is that Ball, you know, the company that makes the jars, makes the cans, 
Long, oh, yeah, yeah. long yeah. story short, they're a Colorado-based company, actually. And they are, like, by and large, you know, the Coca-Cola, no, no pun intended, they're the Coca-Cola of making aluminum cans, except there is no Pepsi. Heck, there's not even an RC Cola. They're, like, the undisputed place you go to for your aluminum cans in this country. Huh. Now, what's making this so difficult is that due to supply chain shortages... And due to like the rising costs of materials, Ball has changed it now so that for companies to get an order of cans, you used to be able to order a truckload of 12-ounce cans, which was, uh, it says here, about 204,000 cans per truckload, whereas now you have to order a minimum of five truckloads, which is one million cans. <laughs> what? Well, I, I, it's, it's crazy, right? It's, it's, you have to order five times the amount of cans. And now this is where it's hitting craft brewers, especially small craft breweries, is that a lot of these craft breweries, A, don't have the funds to get five truckloads. Or the room. Or the room. That's the other big one. It's like, where do you store these? You know, you can't brew fast enough for some of these places. So what's, what's making this difficult on top of that isn't just getting their hands on aluminum cans. But it's also alternatives would be these breweries can go out and they can find other means to get cans or they can just order straight up cans. But then they have to, you know, apply their own sticker, their own label, their own shrink wrap, which largely, yeah, makes some of these cans unrecyclable then at that point. You know, it's not like when they have the, the design on the can. And you have to hire, if you don't have it, you have to hire a whole new wing to do all that. Absolutely. That that's all money and labor. So Armando, are you feeling the can squeeze out in Colorado? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I, I think all the like staples still have cans. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone that switched to bottle recently. I don't think so. But also to be fair, I'm not I'm not at my favorite liquor store all the time anymore. I'm I've kind of taken a, a, a load back. So I haven't noticed, but also um, I may not be the person to ask. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I I'm thinking of solutions for this, and my only thought could be could maybe some breweries go in on those five truckloads of cans, you know, be like, okay, the the five breweries on this block in Fort Collins, Colorado, can they all be like, hey guys, you want to go in on you know an order of ball cans, and we just all you know distribute them between the five of us? Like, yeah, sure, but I mean, logistically, not everyone can do that, you know. It's like. I'm just thinking of, you know, it's like single speed back in Cedar Falls. I don't know if this is affecting them, but using them as an example, you know, do they have the space for a million cans? They probably don't have five neighbors that would want to go in on a million can order with ball to share those with. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of weird to think about. Yeah, I think because of COVID, I think a lot of new breweries are actually having their own canning systems or they have some sort of like crowler system because crowlers are pretty efficient for breweries to do. And I don't know if the ball company is um, is responsible for it mm-hmm. um, or has any stake in the crowler industry. But I see a lot of crowlers here in Colorado Springs and in Denver for those smaller breweries. Um, so that could be the alternative for them. I don't know. I also just put two and two together. The, uh, the, uh, Denver nuggets, uh, um, stadium is called ball arena. Is it really? That's probably. Yeah. They, they had just changed it a couple of years ago to ball arena. So I wonder that must be it. That must be why they changed it. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. I had no idea. The Nuggets changed that. This all makes sense. <laughs> Was it the Pepsi Center before that? 
Yeah, it was something like really well known. Um, but again, I'm not a Nuggets fan, so I don't really know. Huh. Yep, you're right. Pepsi Center, which is now Ball Arena. Wow. Who would have thought Ball's Price Chopper would get that big? Um, just kidding. (laughs) So long story short, there are some other options they're looking into. Like there are some small mobile canning options across the country, but they're kind of few and far between and cost analysis. I'm sure it costs far more to order those cans from like an independent mobile canning company versus getting them in bulk from ball to the degree they used to. And you know, glass bottles, that you can't just switch over to glass bottles. Glass is expensive, you know, and that's not as recyclable. And, you know, a lot of uh, you see it a lot now, too. A lot of companies have switched. I mean, Boulevard included. A lot of our beers are almost can exclusive now. You can't find some of our beers in bottles anymore. I do not envy the people that are in logistics and in properties and in shipping right now. But bless their hearts. Hopefully the beer industry can come out on the other side of this. And now that I'm on my investor kick, I was looking up ball stock. Five years ago, Reese, if you would have put $1,000 into ball stock, it'd be $153,000 today. Oh my gosh. They've, they've grown. They've yielded 153% in the past five years. That's insane. Well, I mean, pretty wild. Craft beer industry, man. Craft beer industry. Yeah, that's probably it, honestly. And also wines. You see canned wines. Oh, yeah, that's right. Canned wine. I didn't think about that. There you go, my my fellow stonkers. See what happens when you invest? Boom. This has been a stonk market tip with Armada Contreras. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> after a stonk market tip, it is now time for a big stonk sip from Armando Contreras. Armando will once again be reviewing a craft beer for us this week. Armando, what beer are you sipping on today? Yeah, I don't know if I've reviewed this one before, but it's actually one of my favorites. Um, We were just at my in-law's place in Windsor, uh, which is pretty close to Fort Collins. We're talking, I don't know, 15 minutes east of Fort Collins, which is a suburb, essentially. And we used to live out there. My wife and I, when my wife taught at uh, University of Northern Colorado, and this was a brewery that I went to a lot and actually had a well-respected Pilsner, and they still got it. So I picked up a four-pack when I was there. So I'm going to be reviewing Mash Lab Brewing's Crispy Boy. Oh, my gosh. It's actually called Crispy Boy? It's actually called, yeah. They, they just went with the whole the whole trend, and they called it Crispy Boy and Boy's B-O-I. Wow. How did nobody get that trademarked before them? I mean, that's, right? that's lightning in a bottle. Oh, I mean, I'm sure there's a ton. Like, I'm, I'm looking right now on Untapped. There's has to be like 20 crispy boys right now on Untapped. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, anyway, <laughs> for those of you playing at home, we review our beers a little bit differently here. We have five categories, each graded on a scale of one to ten, and that includes aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, and aftertaste. So, Armando, why don't you pour that beer into a glass and tell us what the aroma is like on that quite literally crispy boy? <laughs> Ooh, that was a good snap. Yeah. Oh, that was aggressive. Now I want to look at all these aluminum cans to see if it says ball on it. I mean, you'll see. I, I saw it on a... I'm pretty sure I saw it on Boulevard cans. I was just taking a peek at them the other day. Check around the base of the label on the bottom. No, I don't see it. It could be... Uh, that looks like it's a stickered can as well. It could be uh, yep. under the sticker, but don't go digging oh, for it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's... I'll do it later. <laughs> All right, aroma. Yeah, not bad. I, I I will preface it with my sinuses have been acting up because of the weather change here, so um, my smell is not 
particularly cl- clear right now or keen. Cool. Um, but I do smell a lot of weediness on this one. Not, not a ton of the Pilsner malt, um, but I do get as though I, I'm not comparing it to Bud Light, but you do get those like Bud Light-ish notes from a Pilsner, uh, but I'm not really getting the maltiness that I would on like the other Pilsners that I have. Uh, again, prefacing it for my sinuses. Still a solid, a solid one. How about an eight on aroma? All right, solid eight on the crispy boy. Uh, next category is appearance. What does that beer look like? Appearance on this is great. I'll even show you right here. This oh. is incredibly clear beer. It almost is like a Keller. Oh, I think a Keller is the lightest beer that I've ever seen. Um, I think a Hellas may be lighter, but this. This is really light. You can still see the carbonation bubbles coming up to create the head. Um, I poured this, you know, 40 seconds ago and it's still rolling. So really great carbonation on this. Uh, I got it only a couple days ago, so I'm sure it was recently canned. So the freshness of the beer is beautiful. The clearness is beautiful. A 9.7. Oh my goodness. You know, I I have to agree with that one. That that beer makes me thirsty and that looks crushable even from (laughs) just like the other side of the computer screen. Well, if you pour your, uh, what'd you say you had a, uh, like Imperial stout in your, uh, in your fridge, if you pour it and really, really focus your mind where you can change to a Pilsner. I also just watch back to back to back matrixes. So, oh, uh, gotcha. Are you going to see the new matrix? Yeah, I heard it's not very great, but uh, I love the first three Matrix, and I, I still learned so much when I was doing back to back this week. Um, I'm sure I'll still love it. It's a, such a great series. So I haven't seen the new Spider-Man yet. So if you have, don't spoil anything for me. Uh, I haven't, but I heard it is divine. We as need well. a Keanu verse where you have like Neo meets John Wick meets Bill S. Preston <laughs> meets uh, Keanu Reeves from SpongeBob movie. Yeah. <laughs> That needs to be a thing. <laughs> did you know? I'm, I'm I'm sure you know this, but did you know Keanu Reeves uh, is actually a like skilled marksman, like a world class skilled marksman? Really? Yeah. Like actually, he was uh, after all these movies, he did all his own stunts, and he actually put himself into world competitions, and he is actually competitive in all of these. Like he's he's not just making up the way he holds the guns and like his accuracy. He's actually one of the world's best marksmen. Yeah, and John Wick, like he legit killed like 120 dudes, <laughs> just straight up. <laughs> lawsuits are still being processed yeah absolutely all right so (laughs) category three flavor what does the delicious looking crispy boy taste like all right here we go Oh, that's super good. So here's something interesting. Um, I had a couple of glasses of wine with my wife today for dinner I've never really had wine before I drink beer I kind of noticed some of the sweetness from my wine in the beer. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Like presetting your palate, maybe? Yeah, no, I'm just being straight up with everybody. I I totally... I'm tasting some of that sweetness that I just had on my my red wine. That's crazy to think about. Mm. Because I've had this beer many times, and I'm I'm just... It it tastes way sweeter than I remember. Wow. 
but I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to finish that. But yeah, no, look, look, ladies and gentlemen, we, we aren't trying to BS you here. This is, this is our daily lives. Like, yeah, that's actually kind of funny how, and maybe because the Pilsner is so tasteless that maybe it'll take on some of the taste that you've had beforehand. I don't know. Um, re- regardless, I still taste a really nice maltiness now that I didn't smell. Um, and if you noticed on the podcast, I, I took a big clear of my sinus sinuses. Man, that's another thing. If you want to be like a really good, uh, um, beer reviewer, maybe, uh, do a little, uh, nasal rinse before you, uh, for your view beer. Anyway, uh, really good, really good maltiness on that. Uh, great crispiness. I know we'll talk about that later, but just a prominent feature of this. That's why it's called a crispy boy. Um, Wonderful taste in beer, super smooth. I love the taste. Again, just that sweetness is really like, wait a minute, that's so weird. Um, that's fun. But how about a 9.1? Just solid beer. 9.1. That sounds delicious. All right, then. The next category four is mouthfeel. Is the crispy boy a crispy boy in your mouth? Oh, it's so good. So good. And again, uh, I've talked about this before, you know, this beer is really good. And we, I think when we talk about Pilsners, at least the ones I've had, we, we, we do talk about Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like one of the, one of the best I've had, but the beer shot pills is just so different. Yeah. And even the, the, uh, Boulevard collab, like I'll, I'll kind of compare the two. The maltiness is so sharp. There, there's, there's such a sharpness in that beer that you don't get on this beer. It's a little more clean. Uh, but, but you kind of do want that like nuance sharpness in the beer and the Pilsner that you got from the Boulevard pills and you do get from the beer stop pills that I'm not really getting on this. Anyway, still a good beer. Um, okay. Mouthfeel. Mouthfeel's great. Incredibly, incredibly warm in the mouth, but also crispy. So we get that double warm, but also not warm. Uh, we've talked about that before on the podcast, having those those opposites attract. Yeah. Um, solid beer, super smooth, but crispy. Nine point five. Wow, dude, this beer is. This beer sounds like a very high quality pilsner from what I'm hearing. Yeah, this is another add to the list when I visit Kansas City that I'll bring. Oh, baby. Love you so much. It's just, it's just, it's solid. Really solid. All right. So then category number five, aftertaste. Uh, I know pilsners can be a little bit different coming back uh, than they are going down. Does this one pretty stay pretty uniform or is this one a bit of a dichotomy? Pretty uniform. Okay. Pretty uniform. You get, um, you maybe get the same malt that you got when you took that sip. Nothing new though. Incredibly smooth. I mean, this comes in a 16 ounce, but if it came into like a, no, sorry, this is more than a 16 ounce. Is that a nine? A, pi- a pint is 16. No, isn't a pint it? 16. Ounce. That's not a 19 two yeah. can, is it? Yeah, this may, this may be a 19. You're right. Um, you know, if this came in just a regular can, I'd probably be able to crush six of these and just have a great time. Uh, it's, it's so smooth, so smooth on the taste and the aftertaste. Um, I love that 9.2. Oh, wow. Dude, just shining and nine and all day long. Then category mm-hmm. number six, the secret category, the best dang quenching Pilsner there is big stonks drinkability quotient. <laughs> Armando, how does this beer make you feel? Oh man, you know what? Like, you know, big stonk drinkability. This, this would have been a perfect beer to have during the Steelers game because I'd just be drinking in in jubilation. You know, if it was if it was a hard game, I'd probably you know want to want to crush something harder. Maybe an IPA, maybe a stout, but easy going. You're having a good time. Not, excuse me, I'm burping now. <laughs> 
which means the carb is great. <laughs> you know, not a lot going on in the beer. It's a very simple beer, but you know, when, when things are right, you don't have to fix it. You know, don't fix something that's, that's wrong. A lot of great things happening in the beer. Uh, very simple recipe, something that I'd love to crush a solid, a solid 8.7 for BDQ. All right. 8.7. I got to say, I am very jealous of these fantastic pilsners and lagers. You guys seem to be brewing out in the great state of Colorado. Oh man. I'm, I'm telling you, man, clean beers are definitely clean beers and IPAs are probably the staple of Colorado. And then you have some of these niche beers that go into the Imperial Stouts and the double stouts. But almost every brewery that I go to here has a really good clean lager, you know, whether it's the Pilsner, the Hellas, um, just your standard lager and Amber lager. Um, even like there's this brewery out here called Pike's Peak Brewery, oh, yeah. you know, nothing, nothing to write home about. But uh, their beers are just so clean, man. And I, I think we've talked about this before about the water content and how that affects it. But I don't know what it is. But yeah, kudos to the Colorado beer community. Always, always good clean beers, dude. Colorado, the cold and crisp as the Rockies is Coors Light. Happy to hear it. Happy to hear it. <laughs> anyway, I think we got a little bit more Chiefs to talk about. But thank you for listening to this week in craft beer. Stay tuned for more NFL coverage. There you go. Stonks up. Ball arena. back from your favorite segment and my favorite segment i am enjoying a lovely pilsner right now and i think i think the wine's actually dissipating so now i'm getting more of the brew now i'm getting more of this beer so maybe we should do the beer review all over again <laughs> <laughs> no but it, it, it's a solid beer you right on anyway um so as we were talking about we were going to talk a little bit about the defense but we just had so much fun on that beer we're just going to talk quickly about the defense then i kind of want to talk about the implications for the chiefs so uh quickly about the defense you know what reese i think that our defensive line looks amazing um even though like we didn't see a bunch of like chris jones highlights we did see Melvin Ingram get to Ben Roethlisberger, whether it was him getting back at Tomlin saying he was a, uh, what would you say that he was a hot, he made the Steelers hostages oh, is what yeah. I think he, he called them. So like we saw him get to the quarterback. We saw Frank Clark, some great Frank Clark, some Tershawn Wharton. Um, Reese, will we see this chiefs defense going forward? Or is this just because the Steelers aren't necessarily good on offense? Well, man, I mean, I've been saying this for a few weeks now that, you know, it's it's kind of like show me some more, show me some more, show me cons- some consistency. Uh, I- I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop, but I'm cautiously optimistic it might not happen. I I think this is a good defense, and I think it all starts with the pass, ru- pass rush, and it all changed when Melvin Ingram came so they could move Chris Jones back on the inside. And then when that happened, suddenly Jaron Reed was playing better. Frank Clark was starting to look like Frank Clark. And, you know, obviously Melvin Ingram might not be putting up these gaudy, sexy numbers, but, like, you read between the box score lines, and you got a guy that's changing the culture on that line. Pair that with our linebackers finally starting to get a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more consistent time in the field. Pair that with less stress on our secondary. I know Dan Sorensen back there playing free safety. And, <laughs> I mean, this is a this is a very good defensive unit. I'm not going to anoint them the Legion of Boom or, like, the 85 Bears or anything like that, but, like, this is easily the best defense Patrick Mahomes has had to play with probably since he was in college. And I would argue this is probably one of the top two defensive units of the Andy Reid tenure. 
Whoa, Reese, are you conceding to Armando's elite jargon? Uh, did I say? Did I? Did I legit say elite? You didn't say elite, but you said top two Andy Reid defenses. That has to fall into almost elite, right? Uh, that's like that was like the thing. I remember us having a defense. I think it was maybe back in like 2016. Or maybe it was the year that like Alex Smith didn't throw a touchdown pass to a wide receiver where like our defense was so good that year, but just the offense wasn't good enough to keep the team going. So I think near elite is fair to say, uh, but they are playing to the best of their abilities right now. And that makes me very, very proud. Yeah. uh, One thing and then we'll go on, but I can't say enough how much the change of Chris Jones going to defensive tackle and and having Melvin Ingram is. I know we talked about maybe three weeks ago, we talked about what was more important on our defense and why we're changing. I think I put like Melvin Ingram, the addition of Melvin Ingram as two and maybe Chris Jones going to defensive tackle as three. I think I have to change all that. I I, th- I think I have to put a combination of those two being the being the factor because like that makes the domino effect of Nima not seeing snaps, Sorensen not seeing snaps, and also putting less pressure on Ward, Fenton, Sneed. Like all these guys can make plays. I'm really, you know, again, I'll continually apologize every week. PBR apology to Charvarius Ward. Like he's playing great. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he had there was one Trace, Chase Claypool like grab that was an enigma again uh, as as much as we hate trace chase claypool he's still very talented like mm-hmm. of course he makes that grab anyway all to say because what happens on the front four dictates what happens outside of the front four and is kind of a ripple effect so i, I can't stress enough just how important that was to have melvin ingram to put less pressure on chris jones to then play and have him a tackle which then puts you know Frank Clark at ease to then, you know, be right next to Chris Jones and say, okay, you know, if you're going to spend all this time on Chris Jones and I'm going to eat and that's, what's been happening against the Steelers, the chargers, the Raiders, the Broncos, the Cowboys, the Raiders again, and then maybe some Packers. I know we don't want to, I, I know we don't want to weigh that Packers game too much because of no Aaron Rodgers, but still, we're still playing, you know, for all of you playing at home, I think we should be celebrating this defense more than we are because at home we still had Devontae Adams. We still had all those guys on the Cowboys, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, um, all those like gun gunners and, and the Broncos. And then, of course, the Chargers still have some really good guys, too. And even like even yesterday, Reese. Look, it's still Chase Claypool. It's still Deontay Johnson. Yeah, there's no Juju, but like Deontay Johnson is still one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And Chase Claypool, even though his character issues, like still a very talented guy. So I think we need to hang our hat more on this defense. Uh, maybe not the most prominent thing. We still have Patrick Mahomes, so the offense is still our highlight. But man, this defense is rolling, and I'm super excited. Now, um, the Bengals going forward, Reese, kind of remind me of the Bills last year. So the Bills are this young. Were, were you going to say that? I was going to say the exact same thing. I'm so we're on such a similar wavelength tonight. I'm all about this. Tell me more it's about your Bills like, theory. It's, it's almost like we've been talking every week for the past two years about football or something. Kansas City. Yeah. Okay, Reese. So I'm sure we're going to say the same thing. Look, the the Bengals. I kind of talk. I I made this phrase last year. The Bills were the darling of the NFL last year, 2020. It was like they're young, they're inexperienced, but you can see the potential. 
They have the talent and the Bengals are like right there, right? Joe Burrow has over 500 yards of offense last week. Um, and then of course he has three incredible stars with, uh, starting with Jamar chase T Higgins, who's on our fantasy team, which we didn't, we didn't talk about fantasy day. Whoops. Um, and then third Tyler Boyd. So, I mean, those are some great people and Joe Mixon, obviously having a great year, but look, we've stopped every single running back for the past three. We stopped Najee Harris. We stopped Eckler. We stopped Josh Jacobs. We did not stop, uh, Devonte Williams, but we still won by a lot. Uh, we stopped Ezekiel Elliott. Like, what else do you want? What else do you want, Kansas City fans? Our, our, our D-line looks great. I think this might be the toughest matchup for our corners this streak. So I'm actually really excited, Reese. I want this to be the Bengals at their best and the Chiefs at their best. I want this to be a similar game to the to to the San to oh my god I almost said the San Diego Chargers um, yep. to the LA Chargers I want it to be a similar game Reese because I want that intensity and that grit even though we blew out the uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers I would rather a hundred Chargers wins close games than a blowout Steelers game and I hope we get that from the Bengals you know. You know, it's so funny you said that Bills analogy because, like I said, I was actually singing the same thing in my car the other day coming back from work. Uh, but shout out to Buffalo Mike. I'm going to say this: the Bills team last year is better than the Bengals team this year. I, I don't want him. Think, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I agree. don't want him thinking I'm comparing apples to apples here. Uh, no, but in the sense of like, to me, this Bengals team feels like it's figuring it out still, and like it has the pieces to be good, but it's not there yet as a team like let's be honest you know they got they got good players uh joe burrow's having a great comeback here coming that acl injury you know jamar chase is obviously good you know mixon higgins you know they're all they're all good players but outside of there you start to let your voice drop like who on this Bengals defense are you terrified of anybody i can't even name i don't know who's even on their defense (laughs) and and like with this bengals offensive line it's like are they some sort of steel curtain that gives joe burrow you know like five seconds every play no and and looking at their schedule too it's like they have some great wins on there you know like they blew out the ravens 41 17 and 41 21 however both of those were against a decimated ravens team especially one on a triage unit like now So what that tells me, it's a bad matchup. It's like, are we also going to take away the fact that the Browns blew out the Bengals 41-16? That could just be a matchup issue. Now, I'm not going to sit here and dissect the schedule the whole way through, but just remember, it wasn't too long ago the Chargers and their inept defense blew out the Bengals 41-22. So I think this is a Bengals team with a lot of talent, a bright future, and a high upside. I'm not saying we're going to walk into Cincinnati and beat them because, you know, the new kids on the block might want to go into the jail yard and take down the biggest, baddest guy to assert their dominance, especially when they're trying to clinch the division and still a playoff spot. But let's not be so quick to anoint this Cincinnati Bengals team that might still need another 10 minutes of 375 degrees in the oven. Totally agree with you on all points. So let's let's predict. And since I always make you predict first, how about I predict first and I'll let you go. Um, I'm going to say that we win this game. Also, it's incredible. The last three weeks, Reese, we put up 40, 48 against the Raiders, 34 against the Chargers, 36 against the Steelers. We're just our offense on a freaking roll. Uh, and obviously, two weeks before that, 41 against the Raiders. So how about I say we win 35 to 21 chiefs 
3521 sounds pretty good. Uh, I am still not quite convinced the Chiefs offense is back back. I'd like another. I'd like one more week of it looking and feeling past the second series the way it did against the Steelers. I'm going to call a 30 to 24 victory for the Chiefs with two fourth quarter touchdowns from the Bengals. So I think it's going to feel kind of similar to a lot of games last year. I think Chiefs are going to go up 30 to 10, maybe put it in cruise. But Joe Burrow's got enough swag and enough never never say die to make this a nail biter that comes down to an onside kick. Cool. All right, Reese. To end the podcast, we can do this for as long as we want, but we don't have to. Reese, with all this that's happening, right? We've won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We said eight in a row, right? Eight in yeah. a row. We've won eight in a row, Reese. Everything seems to be clicking. Um, I I think we are the Super Bowl favorites, according to, you know, uh, Vegas. We are the AFC West champions. If we beat the Bengals and the Titans lose next week, we are the number one seed lock. Reese, who in the entire NFL can beat us? Name them. I mean, I think and the- not. And how about how about two out of three times can beat us? So maybe like one game fluke. But let's talk about consistently could beat us in a in a three game matchup. Um, I think there's four teams in the NFC that could beat us. I think the Rams have the overall talent to do it on all phases of the ball. I think the Packers, you know, are going to figure that defense out. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get into postseason form. Uh, I know Tampa is going to be out without Godwin. Evans will be banged up. And there's a chance they might not get Leonard Fournette back. By you know, just, Tom Brady's like, gosh dang, Michael Myers. You just never consider him dead. And the fourth team, <laughs> I would be interested to see Dallas at full strength. I know we beat him at mostly full strength last time we played him. But they're man, they're a little they're a little weird this year. They're a little weird this year. I can't tell if they're for real or not. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's strange, Reese. I I want to be bold. If I was not a Kansas City Chiefs fan and I didn't watch this team all the time and didn't have all these emotions tugging on my heartstrings, I would say the Chiefs are the team to beat and no one can ever beat them ever. But because I'm a Chiefs fan and because I've been hurt before <laughs> and with with a Patrick Mahomes team, right? I'm not even talking, you know, pre-Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith and, and before. Um, I've been hurt before. But Reese, I'm going to put all that aside because it's 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 2022, Reese, and I have to be a new man. I got to be a positive man. You know what, Reese? No one in the NFL can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I am calling knock on wood, though. I'm still knocking on wood because I believe in superstition. I am calling on. We are winning every single game except for the Broncos game, the last game. Do you, do you know why, Reese? Why is that? Because we're going to wrap up the first seed and Chad Henney's going to play oh. <laughs> against the Broncos the very last game and we're going to get decimated that last game. But after that, Reese, no one can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not afraid of anyone, Reese. Starting with the AFC, who are you afraid of? The Patriots? I don't think so. No. Mac Jones against Sir Patrick Mahomes? No way. The Ravens? 
No. I don't think so. The Titans? The Titans are technically number two, right? I am not afraid of the Titans. I am not afraid of the Bills, even. Even the Bills are, are coming back a little bit. I'm still not afraid of them. I think if we match up with the Bills in the AFC Championship game, I think Patrick Mahomes remembers the decimation that we took, and now we have a good front four, and everything's going to be different. And again, their secondary is decimated, which was not decimated when we played them. And they played a very good defense that game. So I'm I'm not afraid, Reese. I'm saying it right now. After I watched The Matrix in 2022, I'm not afraid. Fear is not real. And yes, the Green Bay, I think the Green, Green Bay Packers are probably the best team in the AFC. But if you look at their last two games, 24 to 22 to the Browns, 31 to 30 against the Ravens. They allowed the Bears to score 30 points on them, 45 to 30. That's their last three games, Reese. Um, so, yes, their defense is good. We saw that when we played them. Uh, but come playoff time, man, Patrick Mahomes is a different beast. Uh, Bucks, I'm not too afraid of either. So, I think because of all the injuries, uh, I think with Tom Brady, we can't underestimate that he chose the Buccaneers because of their talent, oh, not yeah. necessarily because they're the only people that wanted them, because they had Evans Godwin. He knew AB was coming back. He knew Gronk was coming with a year of rest. Like, things are different now, right? Yeah. Think things are different. That's different. I'm not afraid, Reese. Super Bowl favorites. Let's go. All right. I, I need a, I need a spoonful of that confidence you have, Armando, because uh, you, you said a lot of hot takes in there that I'm like I'm just sitting here kind of screwing over trigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not 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 afraid of the Bills, but I won't play them again. You know? <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, I hope you made it all the way to the end of this podcast. I know this one's a little longer, but. Boy, do we have a fun time here. Boy, we always have a great time. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. You guys have a great time. We are excited as Chiefs fans. Enjoy the ride. Um, we will see you after the Bengals game, and we'll talk more, Reese. Sayonara, and Happy New Year. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes, and as always... I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 